Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. And welcome into another edition of Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish along with Joe Ranieri with you here on the show. Today is Tuesday. Yes, it is Tuesday. Yeah, it is the yes, 21st of yes, April. Yep, yep. It's like you have to think about it for a second. What day is it? What are we doing here on the show? But yes, it is Tuesday, April the 21st. It is great to be with you here on the show as Joe and I continue to conduct business as usual here at Sports mm-hmm. Grid, covering fantasy sports, covering Uh, wagering sports and covering the reality of sports and whatever is going on we certainly bring it to you and of course we got a lot to cover with you here on the show today in fact a little bit later in the show David Cantor a really really stud agent in the NFL for a long period of time is going to join us and talk to us about what he thinks the draft may look like on Thursday night not just from a player perspective Joe but also from the human perspective as to how things may change and so we'll get into that in just a little bit but Joe Uh, Let's kind of start off with uh, the news. Fortunately, I was able to provide some breaking news today here uh, on SportsGrid, which is Derek Jeter, the CEO of the Miami Marlins. Uh, Yesterday, uh, according to my sources, that told me that he is foregoing his entire salary as CEO of the team. The Marlins are also going to be paying their full-time employees. uh, Basically, their business operations are going to have to wait but their baseball operations employees are absolutely going to get paid through May 31st. The Marlins are now the sixth team to officially announce that in Major League Baseball. So we can kind of start there and not so much on that. What I wanted to start off with basically is this notion, Joe, that anytime a billionaire or a millionaire comes out and says, I am going to be donating this or I'm going to be foregoing this, There is a large section of people on social media, which should come as no surprise, that seem to say it's no big deal because the person has millions or the person has billions. It's a phenomenon that continues to go on that I'm constantly seeing that because uh, Jeff Bezos has billions of dollars and because this guy has millions of dollars, it's almost like they're saying that this donation is not good enough because this person has this amount of money. I mean, to me, it's a great statement being made by these people. If you have money, donate it. And I I don't get it, Joe. I, I am not following this, why it's not enough for some people. Yeah, and it's, uh, well, it's never enough because most people suck on social media. So let's be realistic, number one there. Twitter is just a total hellhole uh, filled with nothing but angry people who just want to scream and yell and jump up and down. Uh, But the reality is, listen, uh, if if those same people bitching and moaning on Twitter and social media were so much as to lose $5 uh, in a situation, they'd be like, oh, no, oh, no, this is not going to happen. They have absolutely no concept of what it is to lose 500 bucks, much less $5 million. It's uh, it hurts regardless. It hurts. And the reason that you had mentioned, of course, things like the organization paying everybody in the baseball, all that kind of things, um, you know, that trickles down when you have somebody like Derek Jeter who's going, you know what, it's more important that other people um, benefit from the money and I'm good. Not that it's, you know, it should be expected, but to be more appreciative of somebody in that situation who earns every damn dime he makes and has always throughout his career it's nice to see that um even derek jeter in a position that did not have to give anything up of course um, opted to do it so i mean that trickles down the organization so there are other people who don't make five million dollars a year can now go ahead and rest maybe a little bit easier knowing that they're going to get a paycheck moving forward Yeah, and and the other part of this, Joe, is that how many billionaires, millionaires, and CEOs of other companies aren't doing anything like this? And you don't get to be a billionaire by just, it's, you know. It's just, and it's not even, it has nothing to do with Derek Jeter. It has to do with, essentially, a CEO of any company Mm -hmm. making the announcement that their foregoing salary should be embraced. It doesn't matter who it is or why it is, but yet. Nope. Every single time we see this, oh, someone's got to rush to take a look and say, well, he's made so much money or she's made so much money 
that that's like to me and you ten dollars. No, it's not. It's not ten dollars. No. It's maybe five or ten million dollars. No, no. And and the and perspective we got that the is last just two days too. I mean, we people <clears throat> watch that Jordan, uh, the beginning of that Jordan thing, and the the takeaway for many of those same people were. How dare Jordan take more money while Scottie Pippen was only making two and a half million dollars? Like Jordan should have just put his foot down and said, you know what? He should make $30 million. Like, like, what are you people talking about? Like, seriously, like to each their own, like begrudging people, A, who make money and B, uh, those that do make the money somehow or another, they are expected to do certain things with it uh, in what everybody else seems to think is the right thing to do. The right thing to do is, you know, lies in the person itself as to what they want to do. And to your point, you know, how many multimillionaire billionaire owners right now who haven't given two cents back uh, to anything along those lines? Where's the outrage there? I don't see any outrage there. Good point. Yeah. Don't good point. It. No, yeah. I, no, I just, it's, it's, Look, I, I understand part of it of what of what you're saying, and social media is really a, to, a tough gauge to oh, get anything toilet. on these days. And, <laughs> and I and I get it. I look, I, I spend a lot of time on there because of you know part of what I do is breaking news, and even here for Sports Grid, part of what I do is right. is break news. And uh, you know, hopefully, we'll have some of that Thursday night. Moving on to and another even topic. Your sources, got, though, it wasn't. Was it a big deal they were making about it, or was it just that you know, hey, Craig, I heard. No, that. no. Well, well, they, you know, I listen. I can kind of talk about this. Right. So, you know, what happened was uh, before the weekend was over, mm -hmm. there were reports of uh, Major League Baseball teams that were doing this, that were paying their employees through March. Uh, I'm sorry, May 31st. I believe the teams were reported, if I'm not mistaken, by Bob Nightingale. I think it was San Francisco, okay. St. Louis, and maybe another team. And I apologize. And I don't know off the top of, of us doing a live show like this. I don't remember. But it, there were three or maybe the White Sox, I think. Okay. And so naturally, from my perspective, covering the Marlins, what do you think I'm going to do, Joe? I'm going to start asking. Yep. Hey, did you see this? Did you see, did you see these teams? Wow. What are the Marlins? So hello, sources. What are the Marlins? What's the Marlins plan? Okay. So essentially, when I don't get a response immediately back, which happens a lot in the source world, you have to wait and you have to either ask a second time. Right. Or eventually when you ask questions like that, eventually you get responses back. I waited. Monday came. I start getting phone calls. Hey, okay. here's what's going on. The Marlins, yeah, they're, they're going to uh, – there was a, just a conference call. It's done. Now, listen, you can't use my name, but here's what's happening. Gotcha. And another person, hey, here's – hey, by the way, right. what, uh, what did Derek Jeter say on the phone? Well, you know, that's private. Well, is there anything that you could tell me about? Well, you know, he's not going to be getting paid. You know, he's foregoing there his salary. Go. Okay. Yep. Thank you very much. Yep. Hello, okay. hello. You know, yep. I mean, th that's that's the way that that works. It's not that it came out of thin air. Now, yep. listen, some of the reporting that it's done, Joe, that even that I do comes out of thin air. Of course it does. Right. But it's only natural to be well, uh, it's not a copy. Derek Jeter going, PR release, I'm giving up. Derek my Jeter didn't call me and say, hey, Craig, by the way. <laughs> exactly. You know. Right. You know, and. And, 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 like, people have always asked me this, too, on, on along the lines of Derek Jeter. It's like, because I have reported a lot of stuff on on him before, and he is the CEO of the Marlins, and I get that. Yep. But but the most that I could tell you, and people have asked, like, what is your relationship with him? Like, oh, you must be best friends because, you know, you report a lot of stuff on the Marlins. First of all, that's definitely not the case. I wish it was. I wish Absolutely. it was. I wish we Absolutely. were great friends. But we're yep. not. Well, we're not. We're not. Um, but I will say this. Uh, Derek Jeter knows who I am. I mean, I he knows right. that I cover the Marlins. Yep. I speak to him when I see him. But that's about it, you know? And I think that's probably about it for a lot of the people who have ever covered him over the course of his life. He's a very private guy. Exactly. And doesn't it. like his business being out there. Yep. But the Marlins are a professional baseball organization where he's no longer a player. He's the CEO. Right. So... The, the one comment that I did make that I could share to you with the people or person who I was talking about this with mm -hmm. was the second I heard that he was foregoing his salary, I knew what was next, Joe. I'm like, oh, boy, here we go. Like, the, like first of all, it's a really nice story. But with an athlete like that, it's very similar to LeBron James, Joe. Yep. 
every time. LeBron James, if he's walking down the street and he makes a left, what does everybody say? Why did he make a left? He should have made a right, right? right. Like with LeBron. And, and Derek Jeter's in the same way. And yep. Derek Jeter made a left. Why did Derek Jeter make a left? He should have went right. And that's, you know, part of the conversation and these idiots who live in this world. Derek Jeter, he foregoed his salary. Oh, well, why didn't he give up his house too? Oh, somebody commented actually uh, today to me. Oh, well, he's, he's doing fine because he rented Brady his house. And he'll make the money up there. Brilliant, isn't it? Isn't it good stuff? Yeah, you can't spend a lot of time on, uh, on, uh, on that. But... The problem is they're making it seem as if the reason he did it was because it was no big deal. Or the other avenue is that he did it so we'd be talking about Derek Jeter. And, the like, none of that is none of that is the case. Not, not only that, not, not only that, close. but here's a couple things that I can tell you about <laughs> knowing, knowing Derek Jeter a little bit maybe better than some other people. If Derek Jeter... Was, and listen, he may be consumed with his image beyond what I know and all that. Look, I, I, I can't tell you that because right. we don't have those kind of conversations. But I will tell you this. In terms of things that are said on social media, okay, okay all of the people that, Joe, that are in this country and in this world that are on Twitter, there's a long list in the history, the greatest players in the history of sports. Michael Jordan's not on there as an example. Right. For, if if Derek Jeter got his kicks for things that Craig Mish said on Twitter, then why is Derek Jeter not even on Twitter? Yeah. <laughs> He's you. not even on. There. He's not even close. To He's not. He there. doesn't have. He doesn't have an account. Yep. On on Twitter now, maybe he has one that I'm unaware of, but I'm not aware of it. Nope. And so if if the whole point was that, oh, let, let, let me get this information to Craig Mish so he could so he could post it on Twitter, something that I don't even have. You know? Thank you. Exactly so, correct. I mean. Listen, now, now I can't say that for other players, and I'm not saying that it's important to have an account mm -hmm. and post on social media. Look, that's to each his own, Instagram, Twitter, and all that stuff. Yep. But some of the greatest athletes that we have in the world and in this country are on social media and are on Twitter. And I can tell you that Kevin Durant cares about what people say about him on Twitter. Absolutely. Yep. Player on the Jacksonville Jaguars yesterday, Joe, cared about what people said about him on Twitter, right? Exactly correct. Yeah, there are those that care and there and there's that don't. Listen, most of the the most gracious and the best donations are usually anonymous for a reason. For a reason. They don't want the credit. They don't want people to know. And uh, and I'm sure Derek Jeter would have rather He doesn't know. care, man. He does not care. He, when when he when he was asked about the one player, the right. one person who didn't vote for him right. in the Hall of Fame, he's like, I could care less. less. Yeah, exactly it. Uh, exactly it. And, I'm, I'm listen, and maybe I'm off, and there are a lot of things that I don't know, but mm -hmm. I could just tell you that's the perspective that that I've had right. in the two years or so of uh, of covering him and interacting with him. And look, and I and I've been able to ask him questions both publicly and privately about right. different things that are, that are going on with the organization. But I never got the sense that any kind of information was deliberately. You know, that he was saying, oh, get this out so people would know this about me. Exactly. And by the way, I can tell you that other people and other players have done that with me. And they want information out there and say, hey, would you put this out there with you? And I don't get that sense with Derek Jeter. There's a um, there's a danger in painting everybody with that broad brush. You know what I mean? There is they're not all the same. And some stories are just. Good stories I, for a reaction to be, well, he can afford it is the most ridiculous, asinine thing to come out. I mean, whether he can afford it or not, it's not the point. It's not the point at all. So I, I just it amazes me how people you hear one thing and they automatically react as if should be. Yeah, no. And, and listen, I, I wish that there were more executives that had nothing to sure. do with sports. Yes. That when I'm popping on Twitter throughout the day, because I am on there a lot, I'm not going to say I'm not because I am. Right. When I'm on there refreshing and see, I'm wishing that the CEOs of every big company were saying I'm foregoing my salary, not, oh, they're making so much money. So what's the big deal? I wish that was the case and because there are a lot of people that need help, Joe. They listen, do. There's they not a, it's not like you won't have a problem reporting. Listen, Derek Jeter as a CEO, right, as a baseball if he makes the wrong call on a player, if he does something that, hey, is going to Call be, him out on it. You're going to hold him on to it. And he I expects do. that. That's what I mean. He of expects course. that. But this ain't one of those things. Even No, close, listen. Even listen, it was, trade, was, was the Christian Yelich trade exactly. that they traded him to Milwaukee? Was exactly. that a good trade? Exactly. 
No. No. Nope. No. Nope. It was not a good trade. It was exactly correct. Yep. And and the other trades that they made, I liked, and I've and I said that publicly. But I'm not going to sit here and, as you said, paint that yeah that yep. gold brush over yep. every single thing that happens. Which is ridiculous. I mean, they, the, the people people in that organization of, and at the very top of yep. that organization told me that they appreciate everything I do because I call it fairly. I'm going to be fair, and and I think in this situation. You know, it's, it, it goes beyond baseball. It goes beyond that. It's it's called taking care of your employees. That's right. And, and if somebody that lives in New York or in New Jersey or anywhere in the country that was a fan of Derek Jeter and maybe looks at that report and says, you know something? I'm the CEO of a company. I'm going to follow in his footsteps. That's I right. look up to that guy. Then what in the world is wrong with that? Like maybe that just helped some lower level employee who is having a hard time feeding his or her family in this tough time, and they took a cue from that. And mm -hmm. if and if that's what gets it done, then to me, you know, so be I'm it. All about it. I'm with you. Yep, absolutely. All about it. Yep. All right. So uh, real quick, Joe, before we break, our uh, our plan Thursday for the NFL draft is pretty yes exponential. I mean, what what is the proper word that I would use for our draft coverage? We're going to be live first of all. Let's start yep. with that. Yep. Thursday night. Mm-hmm. 7 o'clock Eastern, is that right, or 8 uh, o'clock Eastern? I believe 8 o'clock Eastern, Okay, yep. 8 o'clock yep. Eastern on yep. Thursday night. Yep. We have all of the hosts here on Sports Grid covering yep. uh, different divisions, different yep. teams. Yep. Joe will be the host, executive producer. Yep. He'll be the grip. He'll be the audio guy, the sound guy. The boom mic guy. I'll be the boom mic he'll, guy. He'll be so everything. Yes. Uh, Joe, Joe is everything on this show. So if you yep. ever want any information as to our draft, hit Joe Ranieri up on Twitter. You see his Twitter there handle, right? Yes. Yep. Let's see where my hand right, right the other yep, way, right there it is, right there, there. on Twitter. Nope, the other way, nope, the other way. way. Sorry, had I had it right. The first nope, still going the other way, the other way. Yep, to your right. There you go. There you go. Thank you very much. That's him. Yep. Thank you. That's <laughs> it right took there. five times. You see, aren't I doing a great job of executive producing right now? It's fantastic. Hey, thank oh, you. Bro. You think NFL had problems this week? Wow. So Thursday night, mm -hmm. make sure you tune in. We've got our live draft coverage, and yes. uh, I'll be part of it, doing some some reporting as well throughout the draft. Please, yep. guys, look. We have been entertaining you guys throughout. Make your destination for the draft this coming Thursday night. SportsGrid.com. SportsGrid.com. Tune in. Download Pluto TV. Download Zumo TV. Forget it. No offense to YouTube. That'll be after the draft. That's for right. the live portion of the draft, Zumo TV, Pluto TV, Stir, SportsGrid.com. And also all of the different audio channels where you listen to us live. Make sure that you pay attention. We've got a lot going on for the draft this week. Okay. Coming up next, Fantasy Sports Today's This Day in Fantasy Sports and our Fantasy Sports Birthdays. That's coming straight at you here as we continue on Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Bish and Joe Ranieri. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mitchell along with Joe Ranieri here on the show. Coming up, David Cantor from DEC Management joins us and Joe will dive into the NFL draft, not just on his clients, but also a little NFL free agency and some topics that I think that people are going to want to pay attention to because in general, it seems as though the NFL draft is going to be a lot different from what we've normally seen and heard. Yep. But I think for agents and players, it may be very similar to what it's been in the past. It's just the way that we're going to view it, hear it, and consume it may be a little bit different. Yeah. It's, uh, and listen, it's going to be different across the board. Uh, it, the first virtual and I got news for you, too. Not just the draft, but the weeks and months after the draft. You don't forget, many of the, uh, many of the guys who get drafted, they usually report to, uh, to a current camp that's going on at some point. Then they've got the yeah. rookie symposium, and all of that is now done virtually. So I don't know what that even looks like. I don't know what that means. I just think we're going to get to August and a lot of these players and a lot of free agents wearing new jerseys. Uh, that may be the first time they actually spend any time on the field together. Yeah, yeah. So we'll uh, we'll dive into the conversation with David coming up in just a little bit. So stay tuned for that. In fact, he'll be with us 
for about a half hour. So that's coming up sure. in 15 minutes if you're watching live and then the top of the second hour of the show if you're watching or replay on YouTube. It is basically the end of hour one and the beginning of hour two. So we'll knock that out for you awesome. guys coming up. So uh, today's April the 21st, 2020. And as always here on the show, oh. we, di we dive into this day in fantasy sports history. And we start off today again. We're going to be doing a lot of draft stuff here. So we figured we would uh, dive a little bit deeper and tell you some of the things that happened in previous drafts. And believe it or not, in this day in fantasy sports history, Russell Maryland, back on April 21st, 1991, Joe, was drafted first overall wow. by the Dallas Cowboys out of the University of Miami. And, and I would say that, uh, you know, Russell Maryland, who ended up winning Super Bowls with that team and was part of the rebuild when Jimmy Johnson came in, was an unspectacular but very Go solid ahead. pick. And I would say that that's kind of the career that Russell Maryland had in the NFL. I would say that uh, he played, uh, you know, in a couple different Pro Bowls. It was yep. a really good player, but his name usually doesn't come to mind when you bring up those Cowboys names. No, he doesn't. But uh, he was uh, very instrumental during that uh, during that era, during that time. And uh, well, I can't believe that. That was 91, man. That was, I wow. Know, a long time ago. Wow. That's crazy yeah. to me. Yeah. All right, so the last dance has been on. Everyone has been talking about it, of course, over the last two or three days. And, you know, we're going to get our uh, next dose of that coming up on Sunday. As part of that, I'm sure we'll dive in eventually. The Chicago Bulls win their <laughs> 72nd game of the uh, NBA season. Yep. And they go down in history when it looks like it, Joe. It's like Warriors and Bulls. But after watching this documentary, it is hard to put the Warriors at the same level of the Bulls, I got to tell you. No, it's a different era, different time. And I think it's uh, the thing that stuck out to me, too, watching uh, watching just the first couple episodes there is um, that ain't your, uh, you know, that there was no Twitter then. There was no social no. media. It was a different <laughs> era. It was an era where if you are an icon, if you are one of the game's greats, like people adored you. Like they loved you no matter what. Um, that not like today where everyone wants to tear you down only to build That's you back right. up. So it's uh, it's very intriguing to watch the LeBron James era fans kind of look at this, and I can't wait to see what their impression of it is when it's all said and done. And by, by the way, uh, you know they show those big, real big old cell phones. Do you remember the first cell phone you ever had, Joe? Do you yes. remember that? Yeah, the thing was huge. It was absolutely huge. I remember my friends, uh, I one of my friends' fathers had one, and I swear it was like carrying around a payphone. Like the thing was the biggest thing I've ever seen in my life. Had a ridiculous antenna. It was like a box you had to carry around with it. It was nothing, and I mean absolutely nothing portable about it. And then they got a little bit less bulky over the years. A lot less, yeah. Wow. I mean, listen, I'm what's still it, What's interesting my about cell phones, they, <laughs> they started off so big. Yep. And then they, and then they went tiny. Yes. In their room. And now they're like bigger again. That's it. You know? Yeah, what's old is it's new like, again. Yep. It's like we go in cycles from that. But. It's crazy. Yeah. All right, that. so the Bulls won their 72nd game back on April the 21st, 1996. How about this one? You see the picture there. Michael Vick drafted first overall by the Atlanta Falcons. Wow. And look, I mean, Vick, of course, had one of the more storied NFL careers over the last 20 years, Joe. He has, of course, the first career with the Atlanta Falcons where he's essentially unstoppable, yep. gets into all kinds of legal trouble over the dog stuff, ends up going to jail uh, over all of that. Uh, just a horrible situation, of course, and learned his lesson, gets back into the NFL, uh, ends up playing, if I'm not mistaken, with the Philadelphia Eagles. That's correct. And, and lights the world on fire again with the Eagles throwing bombs to Deshaun Jackson. Is Michael Vick a Hall of Famer, Joe? Uh, it's tough, man. That's a tough call to go with. It really, really is. His numbers, um, his numbers are actually not that bad when you look at him compared to some of the other people who are in the Hall of Fame. But uh, I mean, listen, it's all. It, he didn't win a championship, right? He did make no. it, but he never, he never pulled away and won one. But I, I think he should go in just simply for the redemption story and what. How far he, how high he got, how far he fell, and where he ended up back even to today. I think it's an inspiring story. It certainly is. And I'm a dog guy, so yes. Um, I think it's still an amazing story of redemption there with Michael Vick. Yeah, one of the best athletes to ever play oh, in the NFL. Ridiculous. 
no, change no, them. No. There's no Lamar without Michael. So that's that's yeah, kind of crazy. Yeah, it's true. It's a good uh, yep. kind of a good analogy, good yep. good example. He's like the modern day guy there. Yep. Uh, Philip Humber. I don't know if you know who he is, Joe, but in 2012 with the Chicago White Sox, he pitched the 21st perfect game in MLB history against the Seattle Mariners. And wow. then we backed that up. Yeah. You, you, you ever heard of that guy or no? Humber? No. Remember him? No? <laughs> no, but yeah. I, I'm didn't have, didn't have a long baseball career, but yeah, through, through, a, through a perfect game. It was good for a couple of years with the White Sox. Uh, Sean Manaya in 2018, this is just two years ago, he threw a no-hitter uh, versus the Red Sox. So we backed this wow. up today with a perfect game and a no-hitter. And that just goes to show you, Joe, that anything can happen in sports on any given day for any given player. Yep. I remember doing fantasy shows around the time that Humber threw that perfect game. And I remember thinking, wow, like this is going to propel him into like being a great pitcher, being a great player. But nah, it didn't. Did, didn't translate, huh? <laughs> it just didn't translate. But These listen, guys have one great game. and that's uh, Listen, you got to be remembered for something, right? So why true. not? Why not? I don't know how many people are actually on a radio show or TV show mentioning his name, so we're the welcome. ones. You're, you're welcome. We're That's the right. ones. Philip Humber, if you're watching out there, really? congratulations. I got your back. We'll never forget exactly. that perfect game that you threw. Nope. I don't even know who he was. All right, here we go. <laughs> this, this day in fantasy sports birthdays, we got Jesse Orozco who pitched a long time and won a World Series with the New York Mets in yep. 1957. You know who that is, of course. I know Jesse well, yes. All right, great goaltender, oh, Ed Belfour. My favorites. Yeah, ended up playing with the Panthers at the end here. Yeah, he did. But that's not why. I was a big fan when he was with the... Um, uh, when he was with the Chicago Blackhawks, Chicago where he started Blackhawks, out. Yeah. So, yeah, that was kind of my favorite. When he was with the Blackhawks... Eddie that the was, Eagle. That's right. Larmer and Chelios and Roenick, all with those Chicago Blackhawks of the late 80s, early 90s, and Eddie Belfer. Also, he was really, really a good goaltender in the Sega Genesis version of that's, EA Sports that's NHL. Exactly, that's I'm just saying, I'm just there. saying, he was also really good in that old Eddie Belfer. NHL so. 94, yep. 95, yep. one timer. You got the one timer. By the way, in that game, bleed. Wayne Gretzky would run into guys and they'd fall down. And like, he, was the, he was a total wuss. <laughs> He'd always get injured and fall down. Bob Probert was yeah. the Chicago yep. team. He, was, he was a fighter. Philly, yeah, when he was at the uh, Flyers, absolutely. See, oh, see, Joe's not, see, Joe's knowledge took a turn there when he mentioned the game. I knew yes. I knew that that would be. Yeah, that was, uh, that was a Any big part. Any Luke Robitaille references? Absolutely. Listen, the Kings were great, man. The Kings were a Kings lot of fun. Kings were a great man. team yep. in that game. They, they really were. But I, they'd never beat Chicago. Ronick just destroyed everybody. No. Yeah, oh, Ronick was good. Really good. I can't. <laughs> I knew that. I had yeah. a, you know, I was like, I wonder if he played. Listen, if we don't get back to sports soon, you and I are busting out the old uh, be Sega NHL game and we're playing. That's right. We're going to be on Twitch Great. playing games. <laughs> Tony Romo, born in 1980, the NFL quarterback turned best broadcaster in sports, probably. I would. I, mean, uh, I think that most, most people think paid. that. Yeah, best paid. Yeah. And then uh, Cadillac Williams, Cornell Cadillac Williams, born in 1982. That was a fun draft where he and Ronnie Brown were yes. both taken in the first round from the uh, from the Auburn Tigers. Yeah, so. he was really good. And then he got the, didn't he get hurt there, Cadillac? At uh, I mean, he yeah. was yeah, really yeah, he was good. really good. At, I think it was Rookie of the Year even yeah. maybe with Tampa Bay yep. at first. And then, yep. Yeah. And then it didn't work with Brown. Like, you know, well, the Wildcat, right? Didn't they? Uh, wasn't that uh, Tony Sperano there? Wasn't that him? Wasn't he the Wildcat uh, with yes. Miami yes, here, he right? Was. He was the one yes, that, he uh, was. and yes. that, that was it. Changed, you know, Ronnie Brown remembered for, well, he was pretty good at Auburn, but he was also uh, the. Uh, he was the, the one that would yep. cat, you caught it out of the backfield. And, yep. it was, and Ricky Williams, too. I Ricky think Williams, was, too. Yeah, that's right. Part. Yeah. That was right at the end there. That's too. It was, they always had a pretty good tandem, just couldn't do anything else. No, they really didn't have great quarterbacking at oh, that time. No. Jay Fiedler, come on. Jay Fiedler was probably the best one they had. Yeah, well, I know. Chad Pennington was back. the best one they had. Oh, yeah, that's true. Chad Pennington. Chad was a good guy, too. For like a year. Yeah. yeah. Like half an hour. All right, so another team, Joe. Uh, we got another team with a new uniform. Okay. Another team with a new jersey. I don't know if you caught this yesterday. Oh, no. It's probably not even... I mean, I, it's, it's crazy. Like, it just doesn't end. The New England Patriots, Joe. Oh, come on. The New England Patriots put out their new 
uh, New Jersey's. Okay. And and listen, I'm going to talk for a couple of minutes about this because Ugh. we've been we've been over this over time and time again. If you're going to put out New Jerseys and mm. new uniforms, you got to make sure that there's a reason and a different look to actually buy these things. I agree. And the Patriots, unfortunately, like the rest of them, have, with the exception of maybe like one swatch of a different color on mm -hmm. their shoulder, have essentially put together more or less the same uniforms and jerseys that they've had over the past 20 years. So, you know, I don't, I don't get it, but we're right back down this road. It, it, it doesn't look any different to me than the old jerseys, Joe. I don't get it. Like I, like, I don't get it in any way, shape, or form. I don't know. Um, I, but I guess, listen, if you're going to have to start over, which there are going to have to start over, I guess yeah. anything that you can put out there that is even the slightest difference than, uh, than what it used to be, uh, I guess you got to do it. It's as trivial as it may sound. I guess you got to do it. You got to differentiate between what is old and what is new. Yeah, it's sort of reminding me, and, and we've been watching the Bulls. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we've been watching the Last Dance. Like this, Patriots. What they're what they're doing now, right? In a very small way, it kind of reminds me of the first couple episodes that we saw of the Last Dance, where I feel like the Patriots are looking at this, or maybe somebody in the organization is looking at this, like, ah, oh, we're going to show you that we can win without Tom Brady. Exactly. Even though I know that Tom Brady said that it was his decision, and he wants to move on and all that, I, I kind of. I feel like there's a little bit of an element to that going on with uh, with this as well. And maybe that's part of starting over, as you said, with the new look and, and their jerseys and everything else. But uh, for me, I'm out. I'm not buying any of this stuff. Um, let me see here if because um, this is just a little bit. It's a whole thing is a little strange to me when you look at it. Uh, but yeah, it's um, I'm looking at it right now here, trying to see if I can get it up on the uh, on the screen for us because yeah, it, I kind of threw you off. Uh, it sorry. really, I no, no, I mean like it really is. And let me, uh, yeah, I can get this here. This is going to be uh, how shall we say, not impressive. There are some things that might impress you. I'm fairly certain if you sat back in the air and just caught it on the side of your eye like wow like what was that you would not under any circumstances be like oh that looks like uh yeah that looks like a new patriot jersey because it does not under any stretch of the imagination look like it <laughs> let me show you eric this thing is amazing if it doesn't work <laughs> all right there we give go. it a shot oh no i got it. here we go all right let's look at this there we go all, all right. right yeah right because that does not look like the page i think i think you, i think you, i think you stalling for 20 seconds is more impressive than the jerseys I, honestly actually. just look at a quick move right okay. like doesn't it look like oh later. yeah I, look now the red the red on the top like right there and right here that's that's a huge difference for me. That's a money maker right there. And they're like, order now. No, no, I don't want to order now. Like, no, <laughs> I don't. Now, I have bro. one. Like, I I don't get it. I mean, seriously. Even when they do it, like in the beginning of cars, when they're like, look at it, like, it looks like the Patriots. Oh. There's just nothing different about it. No, yeah. nothing that I would uh, spend. And by the way, the jerseys are on sale, but they're not on sale because it's still gonna cost you sixty bucks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a story that we'll talk to uh, to David Canner about coming up next is uh, these reports that came out yesterday, Joe. Now, uh, John Elway, late in the day yesterday, mm -hmm. said that the virtual draft ended up being okay and okay. It ended up being smooth. But early in the day, Joe, we saw yesterday a couple of different people report that there were already technical hiccups even with the first pick. They, now, for some context here, the NFL yesterday – had a run-through, like a dry run as to how the draft is going to work on Thursday night. Maybe okay. we should be doing the same thing, actually. Just saying. But Thursday night, they're going to do their actual draft. They had their run-through yesterday, and they said that there were all kinds of like technical issues. Mm -hmm. Elway, though, later in the day said everything was okay. How do you think they're going to... Do you think that we will have one significant technical issue during this draft? I Thursday think night. there's going to be a ton of, uh, ton of problems uh, in that draft. Yes, I think there's, uh, they're going to be... Now, I think they've got a handle on it. I think they, the whole idea of doing the mock draft ahead of time, 
I do think that keeping all the general managers and the owners, uh, asking them to utilize technology might be very, very right. interesting here, Mish, to see who's like, is it my turn? I don't get it. I can't hear it. Are we up? Yeah. Is it me? It's me. Coming up next, David Cantor, <laughs> who is an NFL agent and has been for 25 years, mm. is going to join us here on the show. And we'll go over all of the different scenarios that could be paving its yeah. way for the upcoming 2020 NFL draft from not only his clients, but some of the other big names that yep. we are been talking about here. And so uh, we'll do that next. Don't go away right here on SportsGrid and SportsGrid.com. This is Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Ranieri. We're right back after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Of course, we'll have live coverage of the NFL Draft right here on SportsGrid. SportsGrid.com will actually be one of the very few live television and radio entities to actually have live coverage of the entire first round and second round on Thursday and Friday. And of course, a lot of big decisions are going to have to be made. But I think the bigger decisions is to how not just the players and not the people who are drafting them in their war rooms in the NFL, but how are the agents actually going through this as well? It's a new day for all of us. So I figured we would check in with one of the best in the business, David Cantor. DEC management, I've known David for a long time. He's negotiated some of the biggest contracts in the history of the NFL, especially on the defensive side over the last decade. Unbelievable contracts for Tank Lawrence and Olivier Vernon. He joins us now to talk about what his plan is for opening night of the draft on Thursday, Friday, and, of course, all of his guys who will be taken throughout the 2020 NFL draft this week. David, thanks so much for coming on here on Fantasy Sports Today. It's good to see you and talk to you. How are you? Good to see you, too. It's good to see you. This is the unique way to conduct interviews in the modern coronavirus era. Yeah, it, it has. We, we, so, wouldn't so what, we wouldn't even shake hands if I was on set now, right? I wouldn't even shake your hand, Joe or Chris. Nope. Craig, I wouldn't even, I would be like, nope. hey, don't touch me. <laughs> We'd give you a pound. We'd like give you the pound. <laughs> Elbow? We were, doing, we were doing elbows at the combine. Oh, all right. It was weird. All right. Well, listen, when they have to sign contracts, David, right after this is all said and done, or even any of your guys just mail them pens. That's the, that's the, Way it's yeah, it's not a bad that. idea. I got to get some DEC pens. DEC pens. That's that's the hot thing right now. If you got your logo on a pen, it's going to be no, masks. Oh, I'm, masks. I'm ordering DEC uh, N95 masks. Yep, that's perfect. Okay. Literally, literally, that's what I've been doing today, besides talking to general managers. <laughs> okay. Well, well. so so let's talk about it from uh, your Joe, perspective. No, Joe, I'm dead serious. I've literally been negotiating with people about getting customized, filtered masks for the future, whenever we get back to normalcy, that people can have DEC logoed masks. Just like my hat. We'll do it. We'll, we'll have it on the show. We'll wear it. That's it. On, on if you get it in, in touch with us for Thursday night. All right, listen, we're wasting your valuable time here on the show, talk, talking nonsense, because that's what we do sure. anyway for two hours so, every day. So going back to your question, the draft, I will be just like everybody else in the world, sitting at home watching on television. Trusty cell phone will be working. I've got, this is, I'm not going to flash it very, I'll do it quickly. This is my draft board. So that's all the GMs and teams of every NFL team and our guys that we have in the draft and where they think they'll go, kind of a round projection, if there's interest for them, do they love them, how strong are they? And typically I'm, I'm pretty accurate. I've done this for 25 years. So we're able to usually hone in on where we think our guys will get drafted, what round, uh, typically maybe within 15 or 20 picks and usually the team three to five teams you know like a guy a little bit more. In Bradley and I's case from the University of Utah, uh, all-time sack leader, he was coached at the Senior Bowl by the Detroit Lions. Detroit Lions obviously have a tremendous need for another pass rusher. They paid Trey Flowers $18 million last year. So that would be a team I would watch for that's very interested in Bradley. But he's an incredible talent, so there's going to be a lot of movement, especially at the edge position. The edge position this year is very, very deep three rounds deep, and you're talking over 10 to 15 players, and it can be really a buyer's market. So there will be some good players that you'll be able to get third and fourth round that normally wouldn't be able to get. You know, I got to ask you too, David, you know, this time of year, especially over the next couple of days leading into the draft, 
I almost have absolutely no, no, actually, I don't have any idea what to believe or what not to believe, man. I mean, how much smoke is really, is there fire where there's smoke? I mean, the rumors and the stuff and teams are interested. How much of it do you really believe or how much should we believe? I would take every single thing you hear from last week until Thursday night and throw it in the garbage. Yeah. Completely. First things first is you've got a lot of really talented players still on the market. There's Jadavion Clowney. There's uh, Marcus Golden. Marquise Lee just got cut by the Jacksonville Jaguars a few minutes ago. So there's really talented, valuable NFL veteran players that are on the street. And then you've got a bunch of players that are available via trade. You can go get Yannick Nguke. You can go get Leonard Fournette if, you're, if you care to get a running back, even though there's 25 guys that are going to probably get drafted on Friday and Saturday and maybe even in free agency after the draft. You can go get a ton of good wide receivers in rounds two, three, and four. It's an incredibly deep you know, draft there. And then today, I know one of the things you're probably alluding to, Joe, is the whole Giants. We're doing a ton of study on Justin Herbert, or if that's how you pronounce it. I think it's mm-hmm. Justin Herbert, right? Mm-hmm. Justin Herbert. Yeah. You know, that they're, they're may draft him at four. I mean, come on. There's nobody in their right mind. No general manager in arena football, let alone the National Football League, believes that Dave Gettleman and the Giants are drafting a quarterback at four when they just drafted Daniel Jones. And he obviously had a very solid season. They've got a nice little hierarchy there of two guys with him and Saquon, you know, both top 10 picks. It's ludicrous to think that they would draft a quarterback at four, and nobody in their right mind in the NFL thinks. Now, Detroit at three is where this draft starts. Obviously, one is going to be Burrow, two is going to be Chase Young, and then at three, Detroit does want to move down. Miami does or would like to move up to be safe and secure that someone doesn't go above them three or four. They don't necessarily want to move up because they feel like they have to, um, and to get their guy, but they are worried about teams that maybe like their guy behind them that would go ahead of them at three or four. And then that's where this draft will get interesting. Obviously, the other part of this draft that's going to be very interesting is we're all going to be doing it from our living rooms and our basements and our houses. And general managers are going to be operating just like we're doing this television show right now. Yeah, and, and I and I want to get to that because David, a lot of a lot of folks yesterday on social media, some of the best reporters that you would consider around the NFL essentially said that they had a mock draft where some of this didn't go exactly the way that they planned. I think it was Adam Schefter who reported that there was some bandwidth issues with that. Uh, From their perspective, it's unique because they're going to be the ones that are delivering the picks. From your perspective, is there any concern on your end that you're not going to be sure as to who is taking what? And is there any difference in process in this draft for you and your clients as they find out they're getting picked? No. In fact, this is 100% standard operating procedure for 97.5% of every player in the draft. Other than the guys that get invited to Nashville or Vegas, this is no different. You're at home, phone rings, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, Davy, Florida, you pick it up. Hey, John, this is Chris Greer from the Miami Dolphins. We have pick number 86 coming up, and we're going to draft you right here. Wanted to put you on the phone with our head coach, Brian Flores. They talk at the same time someone from their office is calling me or I've already been notified that the player is being drafted. Then we hang up the phone and watch the highlight clip on ESPN or unfortunately now no NFL Network, but on the joint broadcast. So for us, from an agent and player standpoint, except for the guys that have been invited to the draft in the past, and there's some pictures of guys in the past that have been invited that I was with, it's not a very unique experience. You're sitting at home, you're waiting around a lot of time, a lot of energy wasted, you know, watching guys that you think you're better than, that some team may be graded higher. For the general managers, it's unique because obviously they're not in their draft room. They do have to now have television sets, computer systems brought into their homes. They're not able to sit there. Brian Flores and Chris Greer live down the street from each other, so most likely they'll be together but you're not going to be at your team's facility. You maybe only have three or four people, whereas in the past you might have your entire scout staff in your building, all your coaching staff in your building, and you might say, hey, listen, it's player A or player B. Who do you like? Let's go quickly. In five minutes, give me your number one guy. And they all yell out their guy. They all yell out their guy, and you survey the building. And that does happen from time to time, especially as you get towards rounds five, six, and seven. You've always heard the stories where there's a scout that jumps up on the table for a guy and says, hey, listen, this guy was never going to be here in round six. We need to go get this guy immediately. And the GM kind of looks at him and goes, hey, you know, that's why we pay you. 
you know this player better than anyone else? If you think we should take him at six versus so-and-so, we take him. And so you won't have those things. Where the real anarchy of this draft is going to be is it's going to be the guys on the back part of my list that aren't the John Penasinis or the Bradley and I's that didn't get to go to a combine, that didn't get a pro day because obviously coronavirus canceled a lot of pro days and haven't been able to be seen from NFL teams since November and December. They didn't have an all-star game. They didn't get to go to Indianapolis. And obviously with no pro days and private workouts and visits, it's been basically radio silence for those guys for three months. So now the teams draft their 255 guys. A lot of people don't know this, and hopefully your, your listeners and viewers do, is there's a whole second tier to the NFL draft, which is undrafted free agency, which historically has been the wild, wild west. To give you a quick rundown of it, what you would have is a player gets called by a team towards the end of the back of the seventh round. Hey, this is John from the Washington Redskins. We have a pick at 252, but I don't think we're going to use you. We're going to use it on you. Would you like to become a member of our team? We're going to sign you to a contract right after the draft. We have $5,000 for your defensive end position. As that's happening, the New York Jets call them and say, hey, we have $10,000. As that's happening, the Miami Dolphins call and say, hey, we have $3,000, but we didn't draft a guy and we have a better roster spot. The Baltimore Ravens call and say, hey, remember me? I'm the coach that talked to you. I came to your facility. I worked you out. I sent you a sweatshirt. We have a package where we show you 15 guys every year, make our team as either undrafted free agents or on our practice squad. We're the best fit for you, et cetera, et cetera. Then the player literally hangs up the phone, calls me. I'm already negotiating with these guys and says to me, what do I do? Derek Shelby, for Miami Dolphin fans who remember him, he had 29 offers after the draft. Wow. There's only 32 teams. So how does Derek Shelby make his decision, right? He actually literally came down to the Minnesota Vikings and the Miami Dolphins. And I remember being on the phone, Jeff Ireland on one end, Derek Shelby in the middle, and Rick Spielman on the other end. And they actually stayed on the phone with me for about 30 minutes while we went back and forth with the player, talked to him, clicked over the line, went back to Jeff, went back to Rick. And eventually Derek just said to me, hey, what's the best decision for my career? And I said, well, you'll be here. You'll be in Davie. I live here. You'll be on the Dolphins. I have players on the roster. I trust the defensive line coach, Casey Rogers, who I still think is one of the best in the business. I trust the front office. And it ended up working out great for me. He played seven years in the NFL before retiring on his own will. And sometimes that's the way it works out for undrafted free agents. But that yeah, will be yeah. the anarchy of this because the scouts won't be in the room. The scouts won't be able to tell the teams who they love. And you'll have to go back and forth, and, and some guys will definitely fall by the wayside. Mm, no, that's a fascinating mm. look at it, David. Um, I, I know that, you know, certainly we're all sitting here and kind of wondering what the future is going to look like. But for somebody that essentially, and, and look, you've you've made your living and you've made your money doing what you do, and I know that you've been grinding it out for as long as anybody has in this business. But you've never been in a situation where you've been asked the question, David, is there going to be a college football season? Is there going to be an NFL season this year? And so that's the question that I would pose to you. And I'm certain that we could be, you have just similar opinions on that at this point without facts. But what is your opinion on that? Well, certainly for now, I can't imagine me personally. Would you want to go to a college football game right now with 100,000 strangers? I don't want to go to an NFL stadium. I don't want to go to a tennis match with two people. So, I mean, I don't leave my house. I mean, I'm, I'm following the rules. I've got three young kids. We're, we're locked down in Davie, Florida. So I walk around the neighborhood and ride my bike around the neighborhood and go in my backyard. But that's the extent of my life. I mean, I've literally, since March 1st, when I got back from the NFL Combine, I got sick actually right from the Combine and have basically stayed home ever since. Mm. So I don't know how realistically, Craig, we're going to have an NFL football season. I would certainly say we are not going to have an NFL football season with fans in the stands. Mm. I don't see any way, shape, nor form that that's possible. Unless, and this is the big unless, these 32 men and women that own these franchises are the most powerful in this country. There is no sport in the world that has the power of the National Football League. It is theoretically possible with three or four months to go that they could invent some type of screening technology that would allow them to screen 75,000, 80,000 people coming in and out of the stadium and basically say, hey, you've got to move to the right because your temperature is too high or you're showing 
coronavirus symptoms, but we, we've heard all the horror stories, you've read all the horror stories, you can be asymptomatic and still be a carrier. This thing kills people in two days. I mean, you know, Buddy Baker is an agent, unfortunately, his mom and dad died of coronavirus six minutes apart in, in, in Quentin Beach, Florida. And it's one of those things where I get it. We need sports, right? Jordan last night watching the last dance was amazing. The draft Thursday, Friday, Saturday will probably have the greatest ratings ever. Sports are something that distracts us from the miserableness of being locked in your house and, and not having your job and not being able to earn your income. But it's for the health of the planet. This is bigger than the NFL. This is bigger than the NBA. This is bigger than college football and the SEC. This is about everyone in the world, and people are dying at alarming numbers. It is not the flu. The numbers are off the charts, way, way up from the amount of death from the flu. And let's be realistic. We live, we're all here in Florida, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. We're not, we're not testing in Florida like they are in Italy or in South Korea. We're not testing in the United States of America nearly, nearly at the level that we should be in order to consider having a real planet and a real safe environment. So until the testing gets ramped up and, you know, not to be political, I don't know that that ever happens mm. in this country. It's unrealistic to assume that we will have a National Football League regular season like a normal regular season with fans in the stands, with agents on the sidelines pregame, hugging sweaty guys after they just warmed up, you know, fist bumping guys, shaking hands with general managers. I mean, all of that part of our business is probably going to dissipate. By the way, football players bleed. <laughs> football players sweat, right. football players cough, football players snot, football players almost more than any other sport, there is some type of fluid transmission, DNA transmission, that is incredibly dangerous. So let's, yeah. this is the scenario I said on Twitter. The Indianapolis Colts are playing the New Orleans Saints. It's Phillip Rivers and Drew Brees, two of the biggest, best, oldest guys in the business. Great guys, both former Charger players. Huge Monday night football game. I don't even know if that's a Monday night game. And three days before, on Wednesday, not on Monday, not on Tuesday, on Wednesday, when you install your system and everybody's getting ready to put the playbook in and Drew's getting his playbook, a guy on the Indianapolis Colts, a starting right guard, I don't even know who it is, comes down with coronavirus. Yeah. Do you, okay. you have to lock down the whole organization for 14 days. Yep. Yeah. As listen, of right uh, now, that's the protocol. Yep. Yeah. Right? Listen, uh, David, David, listen. Yeah. Um, you never disappoint, but we are uh, short on time. So here's That's what we're okay. going to do. We'll take, a, we'll take a break, mm -hmm. and then we'll come back, and then we'll wrap up our conversation with David Cantor uh, from DEC Management. We're going to get more into the draft as well, so don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.